Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Kennard Brown speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God. Biblical instructional program today is June 9th, 2012 on the Roman calendar. And happy Shabbat for those who understand they need to keep it, either uh, whether you're Jews or Gentiles. Uh, this is, a, I guess, a somewhat of a special program. I've decided to go back into prophecy again and because... Um, Last week's Bible study was about judgment, and I briefly went over that part of the doctrine of eternal judgment was prophecy. And I just said that the summary prophecy was in Matthew chapter 24, uh, Luke 21, and uh, Mark chapter 13. And I didn't go over the summary of prophecy. So I'm going to do that today in the 57 minutes and 40 three seconds that I have here. So I'm going to just uh, go over the the highlights of prophecy. When Yeshua, or what events is going to lead Yeshua to land his feet on the Mount of Olives, as described in Zechariah chapter 14. And I know you've heard this before from many different uh, preachers uh, throughout the history of uh, religion, but uh, we are definitely... Uh, living in the end times now, there's no doubt, and I'm going to bring up uh, certain um, events or historical uh, occurrences to, to prove that. So I'm looking online right now to see if there's anything significant going on in Jerusalem that I need to speak about. All right, based on a watch.org website, it says Palestinians to pursue observer state status at UN. So that's interesting. Uh, says the time is right for the Palestinians to take control of their borders and establish a state. He asserted that it is within Israel's vital interest to resolve the conflict with the Palestinians. So here we go again with um, this situation that was prophesied in Judges. Um, And by the way, I wanted to mention that uh, God expects us to have righteous judgment. Judgment really is the ability to be able to discern what is right and right and what is wrong in making a decision on that. And we have a whole book in the Bible that is inspired by God, or Elohim, called Judges. So, And then, of course, in the world, not just in the United States, but around the world, we have a judicial system. So that's something that 
again, we easily identify as human beings in, in our human court systems and so forth, but when it comes to God's law, oh, no, uh, we have an issue with that. So that's something to consider. But anyway, Judges chapter 2 is is definitely a prophecy here. Uh, when you look at this, in the, let me... Um, I'll just read this in the New American uh, Standard Bible Version. Judges 2, verse 1. Now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum, and he said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into a land which I had sworn to your fathers, and I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Remember, covenant is not the law. It's the agreement to keep the law, okay, which involves, of course, the, the uh, commandments. Verse 2. And as for you, you shall make no covenant or agreement with the inhabitants. Let me look up the word covenant in Hebrew. And it's bereath, and it means compact, confederacy, a league. All right? So an, an agreement. That's what it is. All right, getting back to the New American Standard Bible Version. As for you, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed me. What is this? You have done. Now, just picture what's going on here because God says he changed not. That's in Malachi chapter 3, if you're wondering where that scripture is at. So he's he's the same today, and Yeshua, who is God too, uh, He in Hebrews 13, verse 8, it says, Yeshua is the same today, yesterday, and forever. In Hebrews 13, verse 8. All right, so anyway, Judges 2, verse 2, And as for you, you shall make no covenant or agreement with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed me. What is this you have done? So we're picturing the Jews over, I think it's over 5 million at least, in the Middle East, in the land of Israel. And they, of course, are allowing the the Muslim, uh, I wouldn't call them altars, but uh, holy, uh, that's what, Muslims call it their holy building and so forth. I got the mosque and so forth. That's what it is. Verse 3, Therefore I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they will become as thorns in your sides, and their gods will be a snare to you. And how prophetic is that, folks? And and the Arabs are a, a snare to the Israelites today in the Middle East. And as long as they continue to disobey what he says here, that's going to be that's going to continue to be the case. So anyway, this end times here is is characterized by the following. You you have to to understand prophecy. You need to understand that God will judge us based on our behaviors. And so let's turn to Second Timothy, chapter three. This is a prophecy of the end time here, and I'm going to read this in the complete Jewish Bible version. For clarity's sake here, it says, Moreover, understand this, in the end times will come trying times. People will be self-loving. So let me just stop here. Self-loving. In other words, people will not care about anybody but themselves. And I, I, I remind my wife frequently that that's what I sense. I sense that people just don't care as they should. Uh, you know, I'm 46 years old, and I know 20 years ago it was a lot better than it is now. Uh, people are just very aloof. Uh, they don't want to have a conversation with you. They're afraid to have a conversation with you. In a sense, I can't blame 
them and what you've heard last week of people eating people's faces off or one person eating a face off, the other guy ate this guy's brain, uh, this other guy did a horrendous murder that he put online on video killing this um, Chinese male, I think he was around 30, 33 years old, going to university. And he, he showed the murder online and he uh, was doing some horrendous things to his body and he ended up cutting pieces of his body and he sent it to the mail to different uh, countries and, and his head he sent that. I mean, it's just sick stuff that's been going on here the past week and a half. And it's just a sign that things are winding down, folks. That's the good news, that things are winding down. The bad news is that it's going to be a whole lot worse than that leading up to the return of Yeshua as he lands his feet on the Mount of Olives right across from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Verse 2, it says, People will be self-loving, money-loving. So, self-loving and money-loving. So, there's this focus so much on money and making money. That's the focus. It's not about helping people, but themselves and making money. That that's that's prevalent. That's prevalent behavior of the 21st century. Proud, thinking too highly of yourself, arrogant, insulting, disobedient to parents. This is a time where children just don't want to take their parents seriously. Now I can understand their parents go say, "Hey, go cut." ten chickens' heads off and bring them back so we can cook them. I mean, if they say something stupid like that, of course, don't do it. But when your parents are making sense, and especially if they can back it up with proof, kids still want to do their own thing. They say, well, you know, maybe my parents are wrong. Let me go ahead and experiment. And then when they do that, what happens? Hold your place here uh, in Second Timothy 3, verse 2. I'm going to quote this scripture not only for children's benefit, but also for the parents of the children so that you hopefully you'll you'll do what he, uh, God tells you to do here under the inspiration of uh, Shaul or Paul. Uh, Ephesians 6 verse 1 it says children what you should do in union with the Lord is obey your parents for this is right. Uh, of course if your parents are obeying the Lord. Verse 2 honor your father and mother this is the first commandment that embodies a promise. Verse 3 why children what are you young kids or adults, why should you obey your parents? Verse 3, so that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. That's why. That's why. So you won't create horrendous murders that, that I've heard told you about, eating someone's face and and uh, cutting up uh, someone and putting their body parts and, and mailing the body parts and, and all that. So you won't do horrendous things like that. Verse 4, fathers, don't irritate your children and make them resentful. Instead, raise them with the Lord's kind of discipline and guidance. That is some wisdom, folks, that you can go to the bank with if you just follow that. So getting back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, disobedient to parents. That's very prevalent in the 21st century. If you look at the way these kids act and, and, and the way they look, that, that prophecy is being fulfilled as I'm speaking. Ungrateful. We don't appreciate nothing, hardly. Unholy. Heartless. Unappeasable. Slanderous. Uncontrolled. Brutal. Hateful of good. Treacherous. 
headstrong, swollen with conceit, and this is the kicker right here, loving pleasure rather than God. Loving pleasure. Pleasure is the most important thing. Having fun, entertainment. Ooh, I want to have some fun. Instead of putting God first. These are all characteristics that are a, a major character trait of the average person in the 21st century. And, and notice, let me underscore and emphasize, the average person, the average person. Now, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 5, it's as they retain the outer form of religion, but deny its powers. So they're, this is the outer form of religion, but they deny its powers. Stay away from these people. So God is telling us anybody that has these character traits on a consistent basis, you need to stay away from them. Stay away from people who are self-loving, money-loving, proud, arrogant, insulting, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable. That means you can't please them. Whatever whatever you do, it doesn't satisfy them. Slanderous, uncontrolled, brutal, hateful of good, treacherous, uh, headstrong, swollen with conceit, loving pleasure rather than God, as they retain the outer form of religion but deny its power. Stay away from these people. That's a warning for anyone to stay away from people that consistently have these negative character traits. So, Let's look at the summary of prophecy here, and let's understand something, because some people don't think that prophecy is important, but it is, folks, and it's very important to understand. And and we need to um, we need to take it seriously here. Proverbs twenty nine verse eighteen states, "Without a prophetic vision." The people throw off restraint. In other words, they just, oh, well, that's no big deal. Eh. But he who keeps Torah, or the instructions of Elohim, or God, is happy. So, having a prophetic vision is is goes hand in hand with keeping Torah. Because there are judgments in the Torah. In the first five books of the Bible and all throughout the Bible, the instructions of God. There's There's prophecy all in it. Remember, in Ephesians, what does it say? In Ephesians, chapter 2. These are all basic scriptures that you should know. Ephesians chapter 2. You have been built on the foundation of the missionaries, which is apostles in Hebrew, in Greek, and the prophets, with the cornerstone being Yeshua, the Messiah himself. So that's the foundation. That's our foundation is uh, the apostles, which represents the apostolic scriptures or what most people understand as the New Testament, and the prophets, which includes the writings, which is the Tanakh or the Old Testament. All right? That is our foundation. So, let's go to Matthew chapter 24. Oh, one more thing I want to point out here in Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19, verse 10, in the complete Jewish Bible version. I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said, Don't do that. I'm only a fellow servant with you and your brothers who have the testimony of Yeshua. Worship God, for the testimony of Yeshua is the spirit 
of prophecy or the mindset of prophecy. You know, we should embrace prophecy. We shouldn't run away from prophecy. So that that that's the important thing here. Uh, we 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 need to to really really. In Hebrews ten verse twenty five. Prophecy has something to do with congregational meetings. Hebrews ten verse twenty five. Not neglecting. Well, first let me go to Hebrews ten verse twenty four. And let us keep paying attention to one another in order to spur each other to, on to love and good deeds. That's a part of what pure religion is about. Verse 25, not neglecting our own congregational meetings, as some have made a practice of doing, but rather encouraging each other. And let us do this all the more as you see the day, and the day in that context is talking about the day of the Lord, which is outlined in Zechariah chapter 14, a summary of it, which hopefully I'll go over today. Hebrews 10 verse 26, for if we deliberately continue to sin after receiving the knowledge of the truth, what's true? Psalm 119 verse 142 is the all the teachings of God, the Torah, which is translated law in the King James Version, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but only the terrifying prospect, as I explained last week, the terrifying prospect of judgment, of raging fire that will consume the enemies. And then in verse 28, Someone who disregards the Torah of Moses is put to death without mercy on the word of two or three witnesses. Think how much worse will be the punishment deserved by someone who has trampled underfoot the Son of God, who has treated as someone common the blood of the covenant which made him holy, and who has insulted the Spirit, the giver of God's grace. And in verse 31 it says, It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So, folks, you know, we we have to keep the Torah, and because uh, it says that how much worse would be the punishment deserved by someone who's traveled under the foot of the Son of God. So, uh, we must keep Torah. Uh, we must keep the, the the Ten Commandments and all the other commandments that apply to us. Not every commandment applies to you. Uh, for example, um, the Levit- Leviticus chapter fifteen about a woman cleaning herself at the menstruation cycle. That doesn't apply. I'm not a woman. Uh, and then it talks about a, a man's semen discharge. Uh, well, if you're a woman, that doesn't apply to you. Uh, as far as uh, the Levitical priests, the duties uh, for the Levitical priests, uh, it doesn't apply to me. Uh, as far as I know, I'm not a Levitical priest. So there, there, you can't possibly keep all the commandments of God, but you keep the ones that apply to you. The Sabbath is universal. Keeping the Holy Days is universal even though there's there's a false preaching going around saying that Jews only have to keep the Sabbath and the Holy Days and the Gentiles don't have to. And that, that, that is a satanic false teaching there. And um, that has to be addressed. And there's one scripture that, uh, actually two scriptures here that I'm going to quote here, and then I'm going to get into Matthew chapter 24, hopefully. Uh, how much time do I have left? 40 minutes, okay. Um, and Isaiah, well, first Ecclesiastes, chapter 12. This is one of my most favorite scriptures I like to quote here to prove that everyone must keep uh, Elohim's commandments. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. Here is the final conclusion now that you have heard everything. Fear God and keep his mitzvah or commandments. This is what being human is all about. So being human is about keeping his mitzvah, okay? 
And that means everyone, every commandment that you can keep. Verse 14, for God will bring to judgment everything we do. And that's part of the the eternal judgment um, Bible study that I gave last week. Why should we keep his mitzvah? Because God will bring to judgment everything we do, including every secret, whether good or bad. And then it's repeated again. Here is the final conclusion. Now that you have heard everything, fear God and keep his mitzvah. This is what being human is all about. Not just a Jew, but human. Humans are Jews and Gentiles. All right, and you turn to Isaiah, chapter uh, 66. Isaiah, chapter 66. Verse 20, okay, verse 22 here. So there's no doubt that this is talking about a future event. For just as the new heavens and the new earth that I am making will continue in my presence, says Adonai, which means Lord in Hebrew, so will your descendants in your name continue. Verse 23, every month on Rosh Hadish, or the new moon, and every week on Shabbat, which is the Sabbath day, everyone living, everyone living, not just the Jews, everyone living will come to worship in my presence, says Adonai. Verse 24, as they leave, they will look on the corpses of the people who rebelled against me. So, if you rebel and don't obey, don't want to keep the new moon, and don't want to keep the Shabbat, which the holy days are linked to, uh, as they leave, they will look on the corpses of the people who rebelled against me, for their worm will never die, and their fire will never be quenched. But they will be uh, abhorrent to all humanity. Again, every month on Rosh Hadash, Rosh Hadish, or New Moon, and every week on Shabbat, everyone living will come to worship in my presence. All right, so God's laws are universal. They apply to everyone. Of course, specific laws don't apply to everyone uh, in a sense of your gender or uh, your, your DNA or your genes. Um, like I said, as far as I know, I'm not a descendant of... Uh, the tribe of Levi, even though my great-great-grandmother, more than likely, um, her name is Sarah Cohen, more than likely she has Levitical priesthood blood, but, of course, a woman's not considered a priest. So um, even though I may be linked genetically, um, I'm not a Levitical priest, um, according to my parents being uh, Levites and so forth. So anyway, because they're not. So anyway... um, Let's get to Matthew chapter 24 here. Oh, one more scripture I wanted to quote. Mark chapter 2 about the Sabbath here. Verse 27. Then he said to them, Shabbat was made for mankind. And you you have these people going around saying that Shabbat is just for the Jews to keep. if, if, If Elohim created the Shabbat for mankind, then it's for mankind, not just for the Jews. Shabbat was made for mankind, not mankind for the Sabbath. So, you know, again, that is false teaching going around, and that needs to be clarified. You know, I do have an article, if anyone wants to, but that was written by Tim Hick. Tim Hick really is very good about teaching that the Torah is for all of mankind. It's not just for the Jews. Um, I, I've read his materials. I've learned a lot from him. So if you want this free PDF, uh, Acts chapter 15, it really explains that because people that don't understand that the law of Moses should be kept, which is the law of God, they misinterpret greatly that chapter to mean that 
it's optional for Gentiles to keep the Shabbat and the holy days. And that's not what it's saying. You have to understand the historical context of that chapter and everything. So if you'd like for me to email that to you, um, please uh, email me at Kennard, K-E, two N's as in Nancy, A-R-D, at mercifulserviceofgod.com and to receive that free uh, PDF uh, article. So anyway, Matthew chapter 24. Verse 1, I'm going to go over this whole chapter here. As Yeshua left the temple and was going away, his Talmudim, or disciples, came and called his attention to its buildings. But he answered them, you see all these? Yes, I tell you, they will be totally destroyed. Not a single stone will be left standing. Let me read this in the New American Standard Bible Version. Verse 3. Matthew 24, verse 3. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. So that's the first thing that he said, folks. Be careful that people won't deceive you. This whole world, whether you realize it or not, has been deceived by a devil. Hold your place, and I'm going to quote two scriptures so you can understand this. I'm trying to do this as simply as I can so you understand this. Revelation chapter 12, starting in verse 9, says, And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So, this devil deceives the whole world, and how does he do it, folks? Well, let's turn to Second Corinthians chapter 11 to find out. I think it's First Corinthians. Wait a minute. Let me see. I'll find it here. But the devil has his ministers, just like God has his ministers. The devil has his ministers. So and they deceive, and you have to be careful of listening to his ministers. Okay, I had the right chapter. All right, so um, in the complete Jewish Bible version, Second Corinthians eleven verse fourteen. Actually, you have false apostles. Let me read this in a version you probably understand better here. Second Corinthians chapter eleven verse thirteen. For such men are false apostles deceitful workers. Well, let's go to the context here. What is he talking about here? This is interesting. I wish that you were you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me for and in verse two of Second Corinthians chapter eleven. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, which proves that we are betrothed right now, which means engagement. Uh, we are engaged, if you are believers, to uh, Yeshua Messiah. All right? Uh, and that, mean, that word means joint, so that's the, the engagement period or, or the betrothal period, okay, hebraically. So, if I betroth you to one husband so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. 
Verse 3, but I am afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the, from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Verse 4, for if one comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, which is going around the assemblies right now, unfortunately, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. Verse 5, for I consider myself not in the least inferior to the most eminent apostles. Verse 6, but even if I am unskilled in speech, yet I am not so in knowledge. In fact, in every way we have made this evident to you in all things. So he admits here that he wasn't the, the great orator of the world, but he had a lot of knowledge. Verse 7, or did I commit a sin, or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you without charge? That's what it that's what he did, I, and that's what I'm doing. I, I'm preaching the gospel. I'm not asking for no money. It would be nice if you donated, but I'm not making you. You know, I, I'm not saying this is a requirement for you to listen to this program. Uh, that's up to you. Uh, verse 8, uh, I robbed other churches by taking wages from them to serve you. So other churches did what they were supposed to do. They supported uh, Shaul, and he didn't have to sell his teachings, but they did what the Bible commands you to do if you're learning anything from a Torah teacher, you should uh, donate to them. That's only fair. But anyway, um, verse nine. But when I was present with you and was in need, see, I don't, I don't, and I never will uh, sell any of my teachings. You know, write a book and put a, a price tag on it. That's not what I'm supposed to do. However, from time to time, I will remind you what God commands you do when you hear of people like myself teaching you something that's true and you get something out of it. You should. Uh, Donate, you should uh, support the minister. You should do that. That's biblical. But anyway, verse 8, I robbed of the churches by taking wages from them to serve you, verse 9, and when I was present with you and was in need, I was not a burden to anyone. For when the brethren came from Macedonia, they fully supplied my need, and in everything I kept myself from being a burden to you and will continue to do so. And that's me. I don't want to be a burden to anybody. And, and Shaul, he worked, and he had, pro he had proven through the Scriptures that the apostles worked, and Yeshua was a carpenter. That was his profession. Verse 10, As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be stopped in the regions of Achaia. Verse 11, Why? Because I do not love you, God knows I do. But what I am doing I will continue to do so that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the matter about which they are boasting. Now, now, now you understand the context. Some uh, some people in the assemblies were not doing what they were supposed to do. So that's the reason why Shaul didn't accept contributions uh, from people. And plus, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he was his desire to offer the gospel for free. Uh, he said that we should live by the gospel, but it doesn't say get rich by the gospel. <laughs> and there's a lot of ministers in this country that are rich by the gospel. Okay, Living and being rich by the gospel are two different things. Verse 13, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as the apostles of Christ. Verse 14, no wonder, for even Shatan disguises himself as an angel of light, or Satan. Verse 15, Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, which is what? Psalm 119, verse 172, keeping the commandments of God, whose end will be according to their deeds. Okay, so the devil has his ministers, and there's another thing you need to understand, which most people don't. Turn to Jeremiah 19. I think it's 16, I'm sorry. Jeremiah chapter 16, verses 19 to 21. 
O Lord, my strength and my stronghold, stronghold rather. O my, I'm sorry. O Lord, my strength and my stronghold, and my refuge in the day of distress. To you, the nations will come from the ends of the earth and say, Our fathers have inherited nothing but falsehood, futility, and things of no profit. So this is a prophecy. Remember, the church is founded on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jeremiah is one of the major prophets. Verse 20, Can man make gods for himself? Yet they are not gods. Therefore, behold, I am going to make them know. This time I will make them know my power and my might, and they shall know my name is the Lord, or the Tetragrammaton, which is YHWH, Yahweh, Yehovah. People can't make up their minds how to pronounce it, but that's what it is. All right. Let's turn back to Matthew chapter 24. So, you understand the importance of that one statement that Yeshua stated. Matthew chapter 24, verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. Verse 5. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. And I've proven to you through the scriptures that's the case today. Now, verse 6. You will be hearing of wars. And rumors of wars. What are we hearing right now? Well, the United States or Israel may attack Iran, right? Uh, we've already had two major wars in the history of the world. Uh, two in the 20th century, World War One and Two, And more than likely, we'll have World War Three in the 21st century. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. Verse 7. This word should be translated families or, or tribes for families or tribes. That's what the original Greek says. So when I look up the original Greek in the King James or in, in, in the New American uh, Standard Bible Version, it says race. For race will rise against race or tribe. Okay, it can mean nation too. But in this context, because kingdom is kingdom, everyone knows it, nation. So this is talking about for race will rise against race. And you have race rise and you have family uh, dissension, and that is prevalent today, folks. We have a lot of that. And kingdom against kingdom, and in various places, there will be famines and earthquakes. We've had the greatest earthquakes in the history of the world in this century. Verse 8, but all these things are the beginning of birth pangs. Verse 9, then they will deliver you to tribulation. He was talking about them, and this may be prophetic. Uh, this could happen again. Well, it will happen again because uh, the Bible does state that uh, quite a few believers will have their heads cut off. So uh, then they will deliver you to tribulation, literally, and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Now that that's interesting. Again, folks, uh, people don't understand when you when you <laughs> really believe the Yeshua or Jesus of the Bible, you're going to be hated by all the nations. You're going to be hated by all the nations, folks. Because of him. Verse 10. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. And that's what's going on as I'm speaking. Verse 11. Many false prophets will rise and will mis mislead many. That's definitely going on. Verse 12. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. And I like the uh, complete Jewish Bible translation of this verse. It says, And many people's love will grow cold because of increased distance from Torah or the instructions of God, which is the entire Bible. Now, in verse 13, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. And people say, well, I'm saved now. Well, not according to what Yeshua stated. 
if you endure until the end, the end can mean two things. Your end, you could die tomorrow, or you could be fortunate to be alive um, all the way up until you're sure landing his feet on the Mount of Olives. That's what this talking about here. In either case, you'll be saved if you endure until the end. Verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now, hold your place here for you to fully understand the scripture, because people take this scripture out of context and don't know what they're talking about. Um, and then you have these ministers going around saying, well, I'm going to preach the gospel around the world. Well, how many people are in the world, folks? It's 7 billion people. That's what it would be. All right? I'm not saying that God cannot work a miracle through a little group, but it hasn't been done yet, folks. Uh, there's a website, the Joshua Project, if you want to take a look at that. Uh, two billion people haven't even heard of the word Jesus Christ. All right. Second of all, even if those people did hear uh, the the name of Jesus Christ, more than likely they're going to be preached a half message about Christ. What I mean by that is that uh, many of these missionaries, they have, they give them a New Testament. They don't give them an old, uh, a complete Bible, Old and New Testament. It's given a New Testament. And among the Christianity, um, among many of the uh, churches, the Christian churches, the evangelical churches, they really focus more on the New Testament than the Old Testament. So, and then that's not accurate according hold your place here in Matthew twenty four verse fourteen. I just want to quote another scripture that just popped in my mind here about Torah teachers and what they should be teaching. Uh, Matthew chapter thirteen. Matthew chapter thirteen. Starting at verse fifty two. He said to them, So then every Torah teacher who has been made into a Talmud or disciple or student for the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a home who brings out of his storage room both new things and old. So you don't throw out the old stuff. A Torah teacher teaches out of the Tanakh and the New Testament, folks. Your Lord and Savior said so. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 24. So Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 14. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world. Now, remember, this is a prophecy of the 21st century. I, I doubt if this world reaches the 22nd century, folks, the way we're going. So it's got to be talking about the 21st century. And uh, the world at this time is a 7 billion population, and uh, that's what it would be, over 7 billion people that live on this earth right now. And uh, there's no one really preaching or has the resources to go into the whole world where everybody's going to hear this message. All right? That hasn't happened yet. So any ministry that's telling you that they are reaching everyone around the world are, is either they don't know what they're talking about, they don't understand marketing statistics, or they're just deceiving you. Okay? Uh, the Internet does not have a reach of 7 billion people. It only has a reach right now of 2 billion people. So even over the Internet, and I hear people saying, I'm reaching people around the world. No, they're, no, they're not reaching everyone around the world. They may be reaching people scattered throughout the world, but they're not reaching everyone around the world with their message. 
Plus, everyone is not going to listen to their message. Uh, when you ever have an advertising campaign, not everyone is going to hear that message. There's going to be a percentage, a small percentage in most cases, that is going to listen. All right, now here's the pivotal verse here. Matthew 24, verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which pictures Hanukkah, by the way. For those who don't understand Hanukkah, go into my archives and listen to the Bible study I gave on Hanukkah. But anyway, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, which means that there's going to be a temple involved in this abomination of desolation. Just like in Antiochus Epiphanes, which pictures Hanukkah again. He contaminated the temple and sacrificed pigs on the altar, and he had a statue of Zeus near the temple. I don't know if exactly the same thing is going to happen, but something similar is going to involve a holy place, which means that the temple has to be built. I mean, I get people telling me that that's not the case. Well, have they read Revelation chapter 12? Uh, hold your place in Matthew 24, verse 15. And you have people trying to spiritualize this scripture, and you can't do that. Uh, Revelation 11, verse 1, in the complete Jewish Bible version, I was given a measuring rod, and if you understand Ezekiel, if you read Ezekiel 40 to 48, having a measuring rod is indicating something being built or something that was already built. Okay? Uh, I was given a measuring rod like a stick and told, get up and measure the temple of God. And the altar, you have one group teaching that it's just going to be an altar. But what what does this prophecy say? It says, I was given a measuring rod like a stick and told, get up and measure the temple of God and the altar. So it's going to be a temple of God and the altar. Go to templeinstitute.org. Templeinstitute.org. They already are planning to build the third temple. They're already planning to build the third temple. Get up and measure the temple of God and the altar, and count how many people are worshiping it. So you have three things here. You have the temple of God, you have the altar, and you have people worshiping around the temple. Verse 2, But the court outside the temple, leave that out. Don't measure it, because it has been given to the goyim, or the Gentiles, or the nations, and they will trample over the holy city for 42 months. That's the, the time of the tribulation. Verse 3, also I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for the same amount of time, 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. All right? So let's go back to this prophecy again, uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So the end will come. And this can also include, when you think about it, the millennium, because when Yeshua lands his feet on the Mount of Olives, the good news of the kingdom will continue to be preached around the world. All right, so, uh, and then in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6, uh, it says that an angel will go and preach the gospel around the world as a, as a last warning before the um, seven last plagues will be executed upon the earth. And this is before Yeshua will come back and land his feet on the Mount of Olives. All right, so 
we're talking about two different endings here. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, it states that Christ will rule until everyone uh, that will oppose his rule will be destroyed. And then he's going to give the kingdom over to his father. Let me read this to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 22. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ will all be made alive. Verse 23. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, after that those who are Christ at his coming. And then verse 24. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death, for he has put all things in, in subjection under his feet, and Messiah's feet, you're sure, but when he says all things are put in subjection, it is evident that he is accepted who put all things in, in subjection to him. For those people that state that the Son is equal with the Father and the power and authority, this scripture does not indicate that at all. Verse 28, when all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself also will be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him, so that God may be all in all. So, again, Yeshua stated when he was resurrected in John chapter 20 and in Revelation that he has a God too, the same God that we have, the Father, even though he's a part of God as well. But uh, God the Son also has a God, and his God is God the Father. And he plainly reveals that in the Scriptures. I don't know why people have a problem with that when it's easily revealed in the scriptures. Anyway, let me get back to it. Then, then uh, I perhaps is falsely accused of, of preaching heresy. Well, Yeshua is preaching heresy then. And the Bible's heresy because it's in the in the scriptures. Anyway, let's go to in verse 16. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Verse 17. Well, let me quote that scripture if you doubt what I said about him having a God. Because uh, John chapter 20, verse 17, Jesus said to her, and this is Jesus in red letters, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, and my God and your God. Okay? It's right there. All right, let's go back. All right, verse 17. Whoever, okay, Judea is the West Bank. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things that are in his house. Verse 18, whoever is in the field must turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those days who are, woe, woe to those of great danger, great sorrow to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, these days today. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to approximate and give you some common sense uh, information, but I don't know specifically when things are going to end as far as initiating the world judgment, uh, judging the world when he lands his feet on the Mount of Olives, okay? But um, Matthew 24, verse 17, whoever is on a house up must not go down to get the things out that are in his house. Verse 18, whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. Verse 19, but woe, or danger to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in those days. Verse 20. But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on a Shabbat. Now here we go again. For those who are preaching that Gentiles don't have to keep a Shabbat. Here we go. He's emphasizing the Shabbat 
and he knew that people, not just Jews, but his believers, will be keeping Shabbat in the end time, in the 21st century. Verse 21. For then there will be a great tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Verse 22. Unless those days have been cut short, no life would have been saved. Now, this is when I'd like to interject the following. In August of 1945, we detonated an atomic bomb over Hiroshima and Nagasaki. All right? I think it was called Little Boy. And Little Boy packed a big punch. And it uh, really caused a lot of damage. Some people are still suffering from the devastation that was caused. But anyway, the point I wanted to make is um, our president, I think it was Truman at the time, stated that we had reached a point in world history that was significant, that we have the power of the universe, the power of the sun. And God had stated, if we go back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 6, no, chapter 11. Verse 5, this is when all the nations spoke as one, they were united together. Genesis 11, verse 5, and that's what they're trying to do now. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower, that's the tower of Babel or confusion, which the Son of Man had built. In verse 6, the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they begin to do, and now nothing which they propose to do will be impossible for them. So that's the reason why he wasn't ready for that to happen. He wasn't ready for nuclear bombs at that time an overall plan of man. So what he did, he scattered, he he created all the different languages to delay this, obviously. So let's go back to Matthew, because he said at that particular time they had the capability of doing anything. He said, this is what they begin to do, and now nothing which they propose. And he said nothing. This is your eternal God saying this. Nothing which they propose to do will be impossible for them on a physical plane. All right, so let's go back, and that's why he scattered the languages. You want to know why he scattered the languages? That was that, was that for that reason. He wasn't ready for them to do do anything. He wasn't ready for them to have the knowledge to do anything they wanted to do on a physical plane. Matthew chapter 24, but when this atomic bomb was detonated over Nagasaki and Hiroshima, or Hiroshima, back in 1945, August, uh, we reached that point. We reached that point. Of being and we've been creating like crazy here. I mean, all these computers and all this technology and everything else. I mean, it's just that uh, we can do kidney transplants. I mean, there's a lot of things that we can do. And I'm sure that if we were able to live another 500 years at our current state, we would probably be doing all kinds of things that I couldn't even conceive of. But anyway, back in uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 22. Unless those days have been cut short, no life would have been saved. No life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Verse 23. Then if anyone... Okay, so my point is, and then in Psalm chapter 90, verse 10, it talks about the days of man of 70, 80, if he's strong. Okay, so remember that as I uh, go to certain parts of this prophecy here. Matthew 24, verse 23. And if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. Verse 24. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and will show great signs and wonders. So 
as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Verse 25, Behold, I have told you in advance. So if they say to you, Behold, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. Behold, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. So listen to this now, because you're going to get false people saying this. I've, me and my wife was a part of a congregation that said, You sure? Uh, or Jesus uh, went to a court case to help him win a court case. So, I mean, we got to, all that foolish talking, we got to not listen to that. Verse 27, For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 28, Wherever the corpse is, the vultures were gathered. That's talking about Revelation chapter 19, toward the bottom, when uh, the supper of the Lord for the animals will happen, and they're going to be eating the uh, the bodies of the uh, people that were trying to, to fight Yeshua when he lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. But anyway, verse 29, But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give her his light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Verse 30, it means exactly what it says, and I know people have taken this out of context and saying all silly stuff, but that's, it means exactly what it's saying here. Verse 30, and then the sign of the Son of Man, which is, is his coming, it was already described here in verse 29, will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Verse 31, and he will send forth his angels and with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four. This is describing the resurrection. That's described in Revelation 11, verse 15. And then uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses, I think, 50 to 52. A great trumpet they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. Now, verse 32. Now, learn the parable from... Now, let me explain the, the uh, events here. And I, and I covered this in the Judgment Bible study, too. You might want to listen to that toward the end. Okay. What's going to happen now, folks? There's going to obviously be a war that's going to happen soon. Because Yeshua has told you that. It's going to be earthquakes. It's going to be uh, weather disturbances. It's going to be famines. People are going to starve. And then Revelation chapter 6, the third seal, verses 5 to 6, is talking about uh, great economic instability. That is going on right now as I'm speaking. All right, after that, something's going to happen, obviously, for this temple to be built because for the, for the abomination of desolation to occur, the temple has to be built. So those are the things you need to look at. The world war, uh, economic collapse, worldwide economic collapse, uh, the temple. Uh, keep up to date with that by going to templeinstitute.org. Uh, you have free teachings about that. Once those things happen, especially when that temple is built, you know that things are imminent once that temple is built. Because the Bible says that there will be sacrifices started again and they're going to be stopped. And that's what Daniel talks about. And that's what he was talking about, the abomination of desolation. Yeshua. And uh, hold you. Let me go there. I have too much time here left. Let me go to Daniel, chapter 12. It states here um, in Daniel, chapter 12. Verse 11. From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days, which is a little over to 1,260 days, but it's still the same, somewhat of the same time period. But anyway, um, verse 32. Now learn the parable from the fig tree when its branches already come tender and puts forth its leaves, and you know that summer is near. So, too, when you see all these things, 
recognize that it is near at the door, and we're starting to see these things that he's talking about. Truly, I say to you that this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. All right? Now, he's talking about the generation that we're living in today. That generation obviously began, people say, to the state of Israel being formed. It has something to do with it. and then, and, But I think it's a combination of both. Uh, the fact that we detonated an atomic bomb, which actually symbolized us being able to uh, be able to, to tap into the power of the universe. Uh, then, of course, the, the, the state of Israel was formed later on. It was two, two more years. I think it's two or three more years later after that. Then the United Nations. So all those things happen, and if you add 70 years to 1945, you get 2025. You add 80 years to that, you get, um, what is it, 80 years times 1945. What do you get? Five to 2025. If you add 70 years to 1945, that's, um, I made an error there, it's 2000, um, what is it, 2015. All right, so I'm just approximating here. I don't know the year, but I'm just going by the scriptures and what it says a generation is, 70 to 80 years. Now, if you start from the, the formation of the state of Israel in 1948, uh, you get uh, 2018, or you get, uh, see, 2028. So that's according to what he said here, if we're understanding that properly as far as the generation. But... This, you can almost go to the bank with. I, I just don't see this century lasting <laughs> with us being in the current state. Either we're going to kill ourselves um, or because the population is going to be over 12 billion people by the end of this century. I think it's going to be more than that. And how are we going to be able to, with, with the way things are going right now, with all the economies, Europe going bankrupt, uh, United States, we're $200 trillion in debt. How are we going to survive, folks? So you, you have to look at that. And then all the crazy things that have been happening lately and society going down the drain. Uh, you have Obama being declared the first gay president, you know, uh, because he said that it was okay for two people of the same sex, which is totally against the Bible, to become married. So, you know, we, we know that things are just watering down here. But in Zechariah chapter, I think I'll go over Zechariah chapter 14 next week because I'm running out of time here and I'm going to finish up on um, Matthew chapter 24. So I think I'm going to focus on Zechariah chapter 14 next week because Zechariah chapter 14 really summarizes Yeshua landing on the Mount of Olives, and that's what I'm going to focus on, what's going to happen when he lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. So uh, until next week, then, may God bless and keep you, and Elohim willing, I'll be available for you next week. Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments, 
Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 